0: to run wait to wake until it's night it's not fair it's
1: Hey, look right. everything that you have said to me up till this point you'll have to say again <laughs> no worries can you hear me okay <laughs> i can can you hear me
2: oh yeah i've got you loud and clear let me uh do you want a little bit more light in here
1: uh sit down let me see
2: okay
1: i don't know let me see your face uh no i think you look good Okay, good, good. Yeah, I think it's fine. I try to use as much light as I can because it, you can't see my wrinkles that way. And-
2: huh. You and me both, sister. I try to use a little of right.
1: <laughs> I usually have a selfie light right here just pointing straight at me and I look flawless. And then my son said, you look like a zombie. You look like a ghost. You have no color. You can't do that. You're not, you're, there's no definition. I can't, there's one big white lump. I'm like, yes, but I look so young. <laughs> you know, so he made me get rid of the selfie light. So if you see wrinkles, well, you can blame it on him. Anyway, right. my ear, my AirPods immediately hooked to my phone, so I have to go in every time. And so, hey, Michael, how was your day?
2: Well, it was awesome. It was awesome. I, uh, <laughs> I, had, a long, I had a long day at work, and then uh, um, I stayed late with a colleague who's having a hard time. And uh, then I looked up and I'm like, oh man, I gotta get a run in and still do this. So I might look a little flushed. And that's- (laughs)
1: That's (laughs) You sound like that's how my days go, just from one thing to the other. I was so tired this morning that um, I ride with a coworker to work and she's here every morning at 6.45 and it was like 6.36 and I was ready. So I thought, oh, I have nine minutes. And I laid my head down little kid style on my kitchen table. And then the next thing I know she was calling me and it jerked me awake at 6 53. I fell asleep like kindergarten style on my kitchen table. So that's how my day started. And then I've just struggled all day. Like, (laughs) yeah,
2: I I know the, I know the feeling, everything went long today and we had construction in the backyard. It was just a day. So,
1: so what do you do for, what is your like day job?
2: Yeah. So I, uh, recently retired army. So this was in June of 01, or 01, June of 01. I'm sorry, June 1st this year. And uh, right right after that.
1: I wasn't, so 01 didn't seem recent, but I was not gonna correct you.
2: (laughs) Sounds like yesterday to me. Um, No, I am. So June 1st, actually, um, it was a general that I used to work for called me up and said, hey, we have a chief of staff position to the CEO at a federal consulting company. And you wow. would have to work out of your home. So I was I was the director of security for um, a uh, faith based hospital system, and uh, I thought, man, I got to go sit at home and play music more and see my kids more. Oh darn it! So
1: dang it! Yeah. <laughs> right. I work,
2: at, I work exclusively at home now. So
1: well, that's very very cool. And uh, so you are doing a music career reboot. That's what you're calling it. That's right. So it's, it's so two point. so there was a a pre-boot if there's a reboot tell me about tell me about the (laughs) pre-boot
2: well i'll start with the name mohawk mike everybody's like well that's kind of a funny name for like a folksy blues christian singer and uh i was a young homeless punk rock streets kid with a foot tall mohawk covered in spikes and piercings and tattoos and uh i toured with a with a street punk band called hourglass And uh, yeah, we, uh, we, uh, we lived very hard and we played uh, music that was antithetical to faith. And I was an agnostic, uh, angry young man. And so the reboot is, and I apologize to immediately bring faith into this but the reboot no, was, good. yeah. The, and the reboot was, you know, music is my therapy. Now, after many years in the army, I did a bunch of years in law enforcement. i worked special victims crimes and music was always there for me. And to me, it was a gift from God, but it was a right. gift to me to help me stay sane. And then, um, then I thought, you know what, when I retired from the army, that time that I used to put in there, I'm going to play music again and i had friends who were like dude write this song record that song for me and so i was recording songs for friends that i went uh was in at war with and i and it started picking up from there and i said you know what i said april my wife i'm going to mention that name probably too much i apologize
1: That's okay.
2: but I, said, no. I said april i am going to do music part-time yeah. if it be it but i'm going to start playing again um and i'm going to sing for the lord And I'm going to hope that his will through my song helps a person or two people. And,
1: uh, what did she say? What did she say? She's
2: not for it totally.
1: (laughs) Oh,
2: (laughs) (laughs) She, no, listen, she likes to listen to it once in a dog's age, when it's just me and her, but for the most part, she, uh, it's just, you know, she sees it was another thing that takes time and is what it is. But, uh, yeah, the reception, you know, I put, um, I put Dover Road out Veterans Day last year, and it was about veteran suicide and PTSD yeah. and coping with that. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a song that was about my first tour called Dover Road. And that was the name of a road we used to go uh, travel in Iraq quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And at the time when I wrote the song, before I was a faithful person, mind you, I, uh, I it was just about the road we wrote on and how scary it was. Then, after I had my Paul conversion moment, which I was an idiot, so I needed a serious conversion moment. But when I had that moment, I realized I wasn't just singing about that road in Iraq and that time. That road was life. And so, right. yeah. And, and oh, you know, was it Veterans Day last year? I submitted that song um, on YouTube. And next thing I was in the Green Bay News, uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin, that's where I reside for retirement and all of a sudden it got a lot of views and most importantly I got messages from friends saying thanks man and I get emotional once in a while but it right. hit me so hard people were thanking me for asking Jesus to save us from this road right. and uh, yeah that's uh anyways that's 2.0 <laughs> so. that's
1: that's beautiful that's amazing so are you, that's that's phenomenal suicide is very very close to my heart and and then I have uh, we, I come from a military family, Annapolis, West Point, Navy, Army brothers, okay. my two older brothers, both retired, just service oriented family. And so, um, you know, those are, it's very, that's very close to, to my heart and, uh, and suicide and the hopelessness that, and of course, you know, that suicide maybe is a couple of different for veterans, sometimes that's not necessarily hopelessness, like you've taken Ah, uh, somebody, an addict that's struggling. There's a hopelessness there that drives them. Sometimes for veterans, it could be some PTSD and some trauma and things that they can't control, which then just civilians have a hard time understanding that, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. It's, it, I mean, it still is a lack of hope, but it's a lack of hope on a level. And I, you know, what I can speak to it. I can speak to right. my first tour was was pretty rough, and I didn't process. I actually processed going to war the first time by quickly turning around and going a second time, which is not actually great therapy. (laughs) right? um, But that became a lifetime mission of mine, suicide prevention and awareness. And so I've taught in the field for many years and it feels like a calling that I have. And so I decided when I did music, I was gonna dedicate my music to hope. And I always hope that that what comes through is hope because for veterans, it's painful and it's hard it, to, it's, it's hard. hard to live with a mind that's coping with PTSD. And it's not just veterans, survivors of natural disasters, personal traumas, suffering yeah. with some of the same things. Yeah. Um, but there is a cure to hopelessness and that's hope, you know.
1: That's hope. Now so these three remain faith, hope, love. So that's yeah. one of the three strongest things in the universe. That's one of the ties that bind is hope. Yep. And, you know, that's something that that struggle sometimes is a lifetime struggle. We had a neighbor for 13 years who fought in Vietnam, still had shrapnel in him, had had multiple surgeries because of the shrapnel. And, you know, that never totally left him one night when uh, we were having a campfire cookout out back. Of course, I always invited him and he came over and he played his guitar. He drank a little bit, but I didn't mind. And he played his guitar. And, I was inside getting stuff ready and all my boys were out back around this fire pit and I take this rack of hot dogs outside or whatever you know i'm going out there and my kids are like this all four of them. And they're staring at john and he is in the middle of telling them he's had enough to drink and he's telling my small children about killing people and war, and I was the kids were but i saw in him such a hurt broken man you know um and i just thought that doesn't go away and he was crying he was weeping this is a 65 year old 70 year old man just weeping and i thought that doesn't leave and i was heartbroken that it had been that many years and he still just struggled processing that
2: yeah i mean it's I work with the veteran community a lot. I do a lot of, I do a lot of first responding to people who are in crisis, and uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of always the same story. It's it's so hard to process, you know. Yeah, I have, it would be. I have, I have found a method that uh, that works very diligently for me, but I've also been I've had the grace of faith, and right. that grace of faith, grace of faith and family, two graces that I've been given yeah. that have been able to bolster me through that, and music. Um, yeah. But you know, music certainly is third place behind faith and family for me. But yeah.
1: Right. Well, you and have to find so... a. Yeah,
2: yeah. Go ahead. And the and they oh, no, all the the enemy attacks that. You know. In, yeah. I think he, I think he attacks that in everybody, but in people in particular who have a deep struggle, it's an right. easy attack. And the, one of the first people that they disconnect from is family. And yeah. often there's <laughs> a deep relationship with faith. Um, it's okay. I got kids, so if you don't mind puppies, I got kids. I got.
1: I'm. I'm just. I'm sending them upstairs. I just now sent a. Hey, come get these. I, I try to let them. I give them a fair chance. They've already barked once, and I was like, "That's strike one. Strike two, you're out." That's how I play baseball over here. <laughs> um. So yeah, without Jesus, so that's the thing. Is these struggles are are they're hard to deal with anyway life is hard to deal with but loss is hard to deal with and grief is hard to deal with and ptsd but and war and the effects of war that is all so hard to deal with but if you take somebody that has christ you know that the the without sounding too cliche you know on christ the solid rock i stand he is that solid rock he is that foundation and the hope that anchors you And you take somebody like John, who is agnostic and does not have that rock. They're just, underneath them is just shifting sand. That PTSD, that grief is constantly, it's like walking in sand. You're just shifting, shifting, shifting. It's hard to get your footing. And if you can't get your footing, you cannot even begin to heal because you're not on a solid, you know, place. And so, yeah, to deal with that from a place of faith has to be, uh, not not easy. It's not an easy road, but uh, you definitely have, like I said, a starting point, don't you find? When
2: you you have do because when you really realize and it's there's so much that goes into that. But when you really realize that you I get emotional here, but when you really realize that somebody made you and somebody loves you so deeply, And deeper than, you know, I love my wife. I think I love her as deeply as you could love a person. When I think of a love that's deeper than that and more perfect than that, it just, it's spellbinding. And when you're in those darkest moments, it it doesn't matter how broken you are.
0: Right. It
2: doesn't matter, it doesn't matter your idiocy, which in the song I recently released, I I call that spoken, you know, me, that's me, the I, and the, the stupid stuff we've done. All that matters is you're chosen, and the proof of that, yeah, and the proof of that is that you're right here. Right, Um, I have a firm belief that if God did not want me to further exist, I would not exist right now. You know.
1: Yeah, right. So, yeah, (laughs) we're here, so that's proof. Well, that's that's phenomenal. See, play us. You got your guitar there. I do.
2: So this song right here, um, it actually started as a as a less than less than decent song back in the day and i never finished it never got around to deciding what it was about and then not too long ago i found myself at a bit of a crossroads where i thought you know i am broken and then five minutes later i'm like oh it's because i'm so proud and it's because i do all this stuff wrong and and then i just reminded myself dude i'm chosen like i'm chosen i'm right. chosen right and then it's okay to be broken because you know, were made whole and I wanted to sing about it. And this song is what came out of it. And especially important to me at a later stage in life now is how do I pass hope on, you know, I've got a daughter, she's in the video. You've probably seen it. Um, She is 14 now and we've struggled now, you know, she's had regular 14 year old stuff come up and I'm like, how do you, uh, how do you teach them that it's okay to be broken and it's okay to be, to mess up, because you're chosen and uh, and then at that point remain broken but do so in the knowledge that that you're loved and you're you're saved and uh anyway that's this song i'm gonna skip some of the finger prick pick picking the start but uh this is uh semi-simple mohawk mike i think i described what that name meant earlier so <laughs> because there's a solo, but I don't have a second guitar to play a solo at the same time. So.
1: I have a warning for everybody with that song. If you listen to it, you're going to sing it the whole rest of the day. Good. And, Good. <laughs> and I know that. How do I know that? Because I don't even know what semi-simple means, but I've been singing that song for two days. It's just on spin a world. I actually love that song. I love it. So... <laughs> Everybody needs to, yeah, we gotta get this one out there. It's phenomenal. Got a great I just love it. Tell me exactly what I looked it up, okay? The dictionary version. <laughs> I, I still I'm struggling. Give me the children's dictionary version of something. <laughs>
2: It was tough. Um, Meg, I got to throw a, a, a blurb out there, Meg Ariana, who did the video. I gave her the concept and she was a little like, what does that mean? So I said, put the definition <laughs> okay. up there.
1: Okay, good. First. I'm not the only one because I'm totally kind of dumb. Okay. But when I read
2: it, it hit my soul. Like it, it's a scientific definition and it's a math definition. And I actually work in the world of data analytics. And so a semi-simple thing is something that just can't be broken down any further than a few whole parts. And I realized that you can break a lot of things about me, but the closest you can come is my body and my soul. And I'm a semi-simple person. Like I am only broken down by soul and body. You know, there are some elements involved there, but at the end of the day, that's what I am. And that's what we are. We are we are broken down into very basic components at a very, at the next level, you know, and we and we eventually break into those components. <laughs>
1: like, right. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. That's perfect. Okay. Thank you. All right. Semi-simple. Well, I love the song. Super. Thank you. It's one of those, it's just super catchy because you can't, it's fantastic. And I dance and sing and my son said, What are you singing? I said, I don't know. I don't really know what it means. I, I kinda but I kind of love it, you know, and that's what's important. I love it. <laughs> like, well, thank you.
2: I'm 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 humbled by that. I
1: love that. Um, well, sometimes do you find you just come up on these songs? Did you know it was good when you were writing it? And you said it didn't start out being good. So how old is that song? Is that that's from V1? That's yeah. version well, one, okay.
2: Well, it's funny. I started writing the guitar part in V1, and it was probably that piece of my spirit just trying to get out and be in touch. Yeah. Um, and at the time, as I started writing lines and playing it with the band and stuff, they're like, oh, this is sissy. I'm going to want to play this. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we, did, we did a lot of metal and punk and stuff, and this just okay. didn't fit in with it. And that... so it, then it, it sat on a shelf for years and years and years. And I will, I mean, I'll tell you right now that the Holy Spirit was like, this is your next song to do. Like this is, this is the song that you are going to put out. And I don't know if it's a lesson for me or a lesson for others, but. uh,
1: Maybe both.
2: Yeah, probably both. It was, it was the song for right now. And, you know, then I got to go record that with my 14 year old daughter. And I saw our lives so dynamically different from where my life was when I was 14, you know, and I just, I, she, she sings background in the track. Um, um, we tried to keep her pretty low down just to not, you know, get her out there too much. But uh, it, it was such a wonderful experience. And when we got to actually film the video, and, and sit, there was so much real about that video. I was with my oldest daughter, I was passing on a faith that isn't even my own, it's like an adopted piece of my life. And to sit in the church, I think there's a scene in there where she puts her head on my shoulder. I don't think we even knew we were recording at that time, oh. and that was when yeah, get emotional again here, geez. But that was when it really hit me, like man, this is if it's not for anybody other than my daughter and me, it's and a blessing that's right bigger than I can imagine. So
1: yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So do you have any other do you have other songs sitting on the shelf, so to speak, that yeah we'll we get... got. a,
2: yeah, we got a bunch. You know, I I did Dover Road. Um again, that was uh, it's a song that Spirit gave to me. Now I was fully converted by the time I wrote that song. Um I just didn't I had an army career going, so I never got to lay it down and, and really play it. Um I've got another one, so I found out recently that my mom has cancer and it That's was the so sorry, you know, oh it's you know, the it's the great part about we were talking about we were talking about it when she told me. I'm like, man, mom, the cool thing about this redemption in this life that i live in is i don't have anything left to even we don't have goodbyes to say that haven't been said we don't have deep down pain and it was a neat thing so i'm writing a song right now that uh that'll be my next release that talks about just that saying goodbye you know and uh yeah. made me cry the first time i played it and i'm like lord you gave me this too <laughs> and uh right you know and then a, a number of others i have one that uh, talks about you mentioned the veteran who struggles with drinking um you know i have one that yeah. Called Aces Low, and it talks about letting go of the bottle and yeah. uh, and getting back into life because the bottle's a comforting place to be.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, it is for the, some people. Yeah,
2: yeah, and but by the grace of God, there went I. And so, yeah, um, yeah I mean, I've got a ton. Uh, it's been a question of what do I release, and so I've really been praying heavily on when and what, and we'll see how it goes. I expect um, if it goes the way it's going, I mean, semi symbol. Beyond any expectations I had, has has really done well.
1: And it's on, and that's on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play Store, everywhere, right? Yeah. Yep. It's all over. That's Um, that's what I thought. Yeah.
2: We must have hit some algorithm right with YouTube because it just went nuts, and then so now I think it was ten thousand something plus just before we started this call, and you know, oh, that's awesome.
1: We're going to put that, we'll put that, we'll put that link in the podcast description to the YouTube link and your Spotify and all your stuff so people can, but yeah, that's very cool. You know, who's bigger than the, you know, who's bigger than the algorithm, the Holy Spirit, Yeah. (laughs) right? So, you
0: know,
1: (laughs) the algorithm is a pretty powerful thing. It kind of controls the internet, but you know who controls the algorithm? Yeah, the Holy Spirit. So we have to just. You know, let that go. And that's what I do with the the podcast. So if it has 10,000 views or 33 views, I just assume that every person that needs to see whatever, like this episode is going to get to exactly who it needs to get to. And that's the energy and flow and prayer we put with it. Let it go, you know? And that,
2: yeah, that was Dover Road. when I kicked that out. The most prescient moment for me with Dover Road was, and I did not remember this, but I had a good buddy who passed away in Iraq. And um, what I don't, and I don't know why I didn't remember it, but I recorded very shoddily Dover Road on a little laptop in Iraq, because I was still in Iraq when he had died when he had his funeral. And um, they played that at his funeral. And when I put Dover Road out, a, a real production, and put it out, one of the first people to comment on the YouTube link was Bobby's mom. And it was a message of thank you, and a message of, and, uh, that, like you said, if that was the only view that that video ever got, and that was the one person that saw it and reached out and commented and said, thank you for remembering my boy. Well, you know, that's, that's worth it right there. So. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's, uh, you know, those losses are hard. I, I had a cousin, this has been back when I was a teenager. So desert storm, the very first one. And, uh, man they sent him a home an empty casket and some dog tags to his mother my aunt may and uh that was rough it was rough on everybody on our whole family you know and uh so those mothers they really endure you know endure that the pain of that uh cherry homes you know you know the bluegrass band cherry homes I do very much yes they have a you yeah. know that song this is my son yep <sighs> I mean, that is, uh, you know, unbelievable. That'll bring you right to, you know, down to the nitty gritty of what is happening. Like that's, and how they bring that back around and talk about Jesus. I just, I love that. But I can't listen to that song unless I'm in the mood to cry. You know, <laughs> if <it>. I need, <laughs> if I need to cry, like if I'm doing a play and there's a scene where I have to cry, all I got to do is put that song on. It's happening. I'm just, but I'm that's a waterworks anyway. I cry if I can't
2: yep if i can't find tears there's that tim mcgraw song called if you're reading this and he only ever even put it out there live version i don't think there ever even was a studio version
1: right but you can find it it on youtube yeah
2: yes you can and if you can honestly if you're a veteran or a parent or a gold star family or anything and you can even listen to that song for a minute without crying i'll give you a dollar because that's (laughs) right I'm just kidding. I take that back. That this is when you get thirty-three thousand views, and I owe thirty-three thousand so. dollars.
1: <laughs> thirty-three, right? Uh, that's a uh, that's a uh, it's a virtual dollar. Yeah, there we that's go. right. Here you here it's we an go. I, it's not I owe It's an I dollar. An I dollar. <laughs> Um, okay, well, I would like to hear Dover Road. Is that, I mean, I don't want to tell you what to play. You can choose if you already had no. some lined up, but I just, no. I don't think I've heard that one.
2: Oh, good, Maybe. yeah, no, it's, uh, it is also out there on the YouTube, so feel free to check it out, but uh, okay. here comes Dover Road Live. You actually already know the backstory, so there's nothing to speak to. Um, it was a real road in Iraq, ASR Alternate Supply Route, Dover, and it was very scary. And when we would go out, I love to preface with this, when we would go out on a mission on Dover Road, the last thing you would see is a sign when we were leaving the base, and it said, is today the day? And I found faith in the midst of that tour. I remember seeing that sign before I found faith, like, oh, crap, I'm going to black out and be nothing, and this is all worthless. And then I remember seeing that sign after faith when it had sunk in that I will be okay. Okay regardless and the piece that that came with that oh my goodness so that's what this song is about and it talks about adapting and surviving after that trauma so without further ado
0: would gladly die.
2: song I recorded a third chorus and I was in the recording studio and my daughter was there she sings wants to be a musician she'll probably be the Miley to my Billy Joe someday (laughs) but
1: uh, (laughs) I love that (laughs) good (laughs) no and
2: then and I was with my my buddy who does some of their studio work John and we said, hey, let's let's have her sing the third chorus, because the third chorus, I would come in there and say, If I die,
0: will I dream again? My
2: family no And then I picked it up. Well, yeah. But she came in, sang that, and I said, oh, my gosh, that's, oh, <laughs> Spirit, that's somebody's daughter saying, please don't leave me. <laughs> like, that's what that was when she sang, and it was so beautiful. And you have to just see the video um, to see her come in. And then I realized that that's what made the message. Um, so we played some home videos of our family in the solo part in between. And she comes in and sings that third chorus, so quiet and beautiful. And that was our message, you know. Don't forget. Faith is in there, you know, just begging Jesus to save us from Dover Road. But uh, yeah, uh
1: this
2: the, at is the same. Yeah. Yeah. And then to, to have your conversion experience on a alternate supply route that happens to be named Dover Road. That's, um that's awesome. pretty magical. So anyways, that's Dover Road. Um, you another one you know, you could
1: have you could have had Miley come right on with you. I wouldn't have cared. You had her come <laughs> right in the studio. <laughs> what's her what's her name?
2: Her name is Autumn. Um, Autumn.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah uh
2: and she's so in, yeah she's in, yeah anyway sorry
1: yeah no it's no problem i wouldn't have cared you could just drive anybody that shows up i'm really easy to get along with i when i show up whoever's on the other end of the camera i'm like well all right
2: <laughs> what you want to hear the story of dover road Do you want you yeah. to tell you that
1: all yeah right. please so, please
2: hard to picture i'd almost have to get you a picture but i used to sit in a gun truck in the back of a big gun and uh our job was just to get people safely from one place to another and back and forth again. And we took it pretty personally when people weren't safe. Like if, if, if something happened to our convoy, it was like on us, it was a personal thing. And I remember one day, we got a hit a few times going to our midpoint and I had just had enough. And I said, you know, that's it. I'm going to be in a lead truck. And I'm going to point my weapon at everybody and I'm going to push people off the streets and I'm going to make it so safe for us on the way back and driving through Iraq and I pause the story here because you have to know this piece so earlier on in Iraq at this little city called Al-Sindia, there was these couple little girls that I would see every single morning out there selling fruit at a fruit stand. And every morning I learned some Arabic. So every morning I'd come by him and I'd say, if my hands were cold, for cold in Arabic. Or I'd say, Hara, if it was really hot. But most mornings it was cold. So I would say, barude, barude, and they Mr. and I was the Mr. Cold Hands. That was, my, that was my nickname, these two girls. And one day I'm driving past, still faithless non believer, um, just as good as anybody else. But I'm uh, driving past and uh, they threw a pair of gloves, a brand new pair of gloves, into my, my gun box. And I'm trying to picture that these poor kids who sell fruit by the side of the road in Iraq probably had to go to their dad and be like, hey, dad, can we buy some new gloves for this American soldier whose hands are cold all the time? And at some point they said yes, and they did. It really hit me hard. Anyway, so we're coming back through that day where I'm being aggressive and I'm yelling at everybody and I'm pointing my weapon around at just everybody just, you know, decently wanting to stay safe. Busy day, busy market day, and everybody's crowded the roads and it's dangerous in those crowded situations and the holy spirit just reached right into my head and he said hey mike i love these people as much as i love you please treat them accordingly and it was very chastised like i was like oh man i'm being bad And i'm like oh man i'm being bad and god i'm like oh god and it just blew my mind Talk about God's love. When you start to realize that it applies to poor people in the market in Al-Sendia, Iraq, as much as it applies to you, that opening of my eyes to faith never closed. Um, and now I was like, oh man, I got to fix some stuff. <laughs> so but yeah, that was, that was the Dover Road story. That was the conversion on the road. So
1: <laughs> that is a quite possibly the most incredible story I've ever heard. I, that blows my mind that to think about that. Yes. And I, we don't think about that. We think, well, we know God loves us. I mean, God loves me. You know, I go to church and I do the right things and you know, I, I live in America we're Christian nation. God loves me, but to stop and think, you know, like to think that God loved and I think this is the thing that Christians are uncomfortable with. To think that God loved Judas as much as he loved Peter, that's what you're uncomfortable with. You know, God loves Paul. You know, God loves Matthew. God loved Judas. God loved Barabbas. God loved the people on the crosses next to him. To think about God loving these people that we deem unlovable, who are we? They, we are all created in the image of God, all of us.
2: Yeah. So yep. that's... And then w- when you see God's love for other people, I think it can help you see God's love for yourself. Frankly, I think that when you start to realize how deep and encompassing that love is, if he loves yeah. Judas as much as he loves me, he loves me a lot. Like yeah. if, if he loves me as much as Peter, he loves me a lot. Like, yeah. And uh, Whoa the fact that I exist by his mere will, you know, I'm a piece of God's will in the world. You are, right. you know?
1: Yeah. Um, I always said people
2: that, people that cut us off in traffic are it's miserable. That's kidding.
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> even the traffic cutter offers, even all the Karens, the Karens are created in the image of God. They're not, they're not acting like it sometimes, but we all don't. But, uh, I had always said, I never knew the love of God until I became a mother. Because I didn't have a great childhood, um, I didn't feel loved by my parents. And as a child, if you don't get the proper love from your parents, it's very, very difficult to understand when you go to church and they say God's your father and He loves you. When all you've known from parents is hurt, that's hard for a child to to get that straight. Yeah, yeah. you know. And, and because I didn't feel worthy of love at all, parental love, I didn't have it. It wasn't until I had my son and I remember thinking, is this how God loves me? It's mind blowing. It's, uh, it's just a love that there are not words in the English language for that type of love. And that was when I began to understand God was when I became a parent. It's
2: it's very funny you bring that up. You, you start to truly understand like the unconditional love that right. really, because it really is. You just love your kids. They can mess up. And you can certainly get very upset with them because ours is a pretty imperfect love at the end of the day. But even in the midst of right. being that upset with my kid, I hate punishing my kids. And that sounds terrible because, you know, right. I do. But right. that feeling every time you know you take something away from a kid that you know that they really love, even if it's the proper and appropriate punishment, that pain deep down inside. I'm like, man, yeah. I wonder what the Lord feels when I suffer, or when I deny yeah. things, or when I right. just mess up. That's that's got to be that feeling times like a thousand. You know. Anyways, right. I I totally jive with that feeling.
1: Yeah. So that yeah, and I I think that most of us can. That's that's how we can can relate love is through our kids and think well that's that's about as unconditional of a love as as a human can get but i'm a product of parents that did not love me like that so not all parents love their kids like that which i don't understand i can't get that because i mean mine i would never people just give their kids away and then you think what kind of hurt would you have to have inside what kind of broken I'm going to, I will edit all this out because just just between me and you, well, because I don't want to offend anybody, but just between you and I, what kind of broken would you have to be to give your own child away? Like that, there has to be a level of brokenness there. There has to be.
2: I had a a similar feeling. So my dad, um, we don't know for a certainty. We assume died by suicide, certainly stopped treating his diabetes at one point intentionally and died of that but intentionally choosing to to, and this is many years ago we had no relationship i was abandoned by him which caused a lot of that angst and pain and and discord that i had and only you know actually had a very spiritual experience one of four interventions the holy spirit in my life but some time ago i had my dad's soul prayed for in church which i had not done i had not taken the time i had prayed for my dad post-passing and but that day I went and we went to a little pauper's grave where he's buried. It's, he's in a um, in an all saints tomb type of thing, you know, Right. Uh, his ashes are. And I went and prayed with a deacon of mine. And the the grace and the understanding of like, like you said, the pain and brokenness. I mean, you just touched something in there. The pain and brokenness that had to have come along with giving up your children. Yeah. And, and uh and I, and I found a sympathy for it, like, a, an empathy yep. for it. Um, it's certainly nothing I ever aspire to do, but I certainly see that it was a hurt and pain that caused it. And you know, it praying has to for be for him. Oh goodness. Yeah. And in praying for him after the fact, what a cleansing feeling to, to really just pray for peace and, and forgiveness of right. a person who, you know, abandoned stuff. Um,
1: Well, think about if he was healthy, emotionally and mentally, a a, a healthy, a mentally, emotionally healthy person, they don't abandon their children.
2: No, no.
1: Right. So, so I don't know what was going on with him or what's going on with my parents, but you know, you have to i i had a kind of a similar experience one christmas here not too long ago you know you pray and you say well i forgive them you know i forgive them that's what you have to do and you hear it at church and you forgive them and sometimes you kind of do you know when you forgive you move on but it was about um maybe four or five years ago it was recently and i always had these huge christmases at my house huge i'd have 150 200 people there just family but not my parents you know um and And I remember feeling so sad that they were missing out on my child, who is, he's phenomenal. He's a, a, a phenomenal musician. He's smart. He's funny. He's written books. He can draw and paint anything. He's phenomenal. Had these other kind of foster kids I had raised and just all these friends and these big Christmases. where We just did all this wonderful stuff and they're still alive. They knew that that was happening at Christmas. And I had this feeling come over me, uh, Mike, as I was standing in my kitchen and and I was sad, not that they weren't there because I could invite them, but I won't. And it wasn't that God didn't want me to invite them, but it was like a compassion came over me for them. Like, man, I wish you had made different decisions in your life because look what you're missing out on. And I felt a sadness and a compassion where I actually felt bad for these people that had hurt me in such terrible ways. And I thought, you know, and you realize in that moment, man, that has to be God. Because <laughs> yeah. that's not a human thing to to do, to feel like, wow, look at, look at what God has done. And I, you know, but uh, it's, there's a lot of brokenness in the world, so let's. So let's talk about you being from Wisconsin. Are you a cheesehead?
2: <laughs> I'm not. Don't tell anybody from Wisconsin that, because I'm trying to make a music career. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm, not. I'm an import, so they're still trying to turn me into one. No. Um, I, so where are I you dared... from then? So I'm from Oregon, California. Uh, goodness, but we've lived in. Okay. Lived in Kansas and Utah and, goodness, where else we live? I think oh, Iraq. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Well, I mean, like, you're an, you're,
1: was... you're a military person, so kind of everywhere.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I had a little bit of a West Coast existence growing up where I was kind of all over the place on the streets. So, And then, uh, no, Wisconsin, though, my wife and I just always felt inclined that we wanted to retire up to beautiful Green Bay, Wisconsin. I can't say enough about the town, a great place to raise kids. And after all the moving around, the kids have found a really good niche here with school and friends. Oh, and, good. And there's pretty trees, and there's hiking, and there's there's a good good spirit up here in Wisconsin. It's cold sometimes.
1: <laughs> sometimes, well, I'm in northeastern Iowa, so about mm, maybe forty five minutes from Prairie du Chien, Wisconsin. We're in
2: northeastern Iowa, are you?
1: Um, do you know Bremer County, like oh, Waverly in County,
2: real well? One of I'm my best in... friends is one of my best friends is the captain of the Waverly PD.
1: I'm so, in Bremer County. I was in Waverly today.
2: How oh about that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. One of my best good buddies, Corey Stevens, also a very faithful guy, happens to be on the PD there in Waverly, and uh, one of my best wow. friends. So, well,
1: I'm in I'm in a tiny little town in way in the edge of the county next to Fayette County called Sumner. It's got like two thousand people. Sumner.
2: I know Sumner.
1: Yeah. Know Sumner. <laughs> That's God's
2: country out there. I was. So God, I was it so is. My wife is from you. You've probably heard of it, but Farmersburg, population 300, just north of El Cater.
1: Right, so, yes, yeah. yes, population 300, okay. Yep, yeah.
2: so she was born and raised there, and uh, I, we lived there together. Um, we, when I first came into law enforcement after leaving active duty army, I was actually with the Clayton County Sheriff's Office for quite a time,
1: and uh, okay.
2: Yeah, before the army moved us onward, um, yeah. There well, there how there. cool is
1: that? Such a small yeah. world. So, yeah, I don't, I've done this podcast now, maybe 20, 25 of them, but I've, you're the closest one to me. That's why I mentioned it. I've never told, you know, yeah, everybody else is kind of in other countries or far away or the South or wherever. And I'm thinking, wow, he's up here in Wisconsin. So that's kind of, and I'm not from Iowa either. I'm an implant as well, but yeah, the people (laughs) up here are phenomenal. That's what I say. I'm like, the people up here are phenomenal. They're just great people.
2: Yep, yep. I would have never, if if life had, when I met my wife, that was my other Holy Spirit intervention moment. But I looked at her like this nice, sweet, like great little Iowa farm girl. Like, I don't think we're going to work out because, you know, I'm like this kind of broken, destroyed West Coast idiot guy. And you're this nice, sweet, perfect person. Yeah. Uh, that's what they, they raised there. <laughs>
1: that's what they race here they race they're just polite kind that's what you know i'm from eastern kentucky so appalachia people are very hard and snappy and have attitudes all of us right and i got here and i thought um i couldn't believe it i'm like people are so kind and helpful and polite i haven't heard anybody cuss i so i've been here since january still yet to hear anybody cuss out anybody else i can't believe it that's always a daily part of my life somebody was always cussing somebody else out or yelling at somebody and they just don't that's not like that here it's just not and the town is i think they had when i moved here this little town sumner had two crimes last year and they were they were both misdemeanors right <laughs> i was like okay i tell everybody i live in mayberry and i'm not kidding Okay. Those times,
2: you know, working police for Clayton County sometimes was like being the Maytag repairman. You're just kind of exactly. waiting for...
1: <laughs> yeah, just like, okay. I mean, on the Sumner police page, on the Facebook page, it's like, is this your dog? Did you lose this dog? Is this your dog? I'm thinking that's what our police force does up here. If they see your dog, <laughs> they get it, they put it in their car, and then they <laughs> take a picture and get it back to you. That's... <laughs> but there's just nothing else to do so but that's i mean that's fabulous but you can't if you've been other places with lots of crime which you have and i have you can't imagine but they can't imagine and they say why'd you why'd you pick sumner and i say oh really the low crime rate and they say like this oh we have crime we have crime (laughs) and i think okay i'm not going to argue with you but
2: (laughs) you're getting the voice
1: crime, yes. (laughs)
2: I I am starting I have friends back from the West Coast. I'll talk to them sometimes like, gosh, you sound like a guy from Fargo now, Mike. <laughs> I'm like you, really.
1: You, I'm like you do sound. When when you said you were in Wisconsin, I was not at all surprised cuz I had already picked up on a little Wisconsin or northern <laughs> Iowa accent from you. And I'm like, okay, Wisconsin. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love yep. it. I love it so much up here.
2: Just spent but, the weekend up north. So
1: <laughs> North, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I love that the Mississippi runs and, and everybody goes, yeah, just just a whole different world up here. But so that's that's awesome that year. So they're trying to turn you into a cheese head. They will, they have the best cheese and milk in the whole world up here. I'm gonna
2: tell you right now, and what I did find out about Iowa, Northeast Iowa and Wisconsin is that you actually are living amongst very famous places. Cause I don't know if you've noticed, but the number one cheese store in the entire nation is all over the place. Like every city, every every like exit sign on the highway in wisconsin has the number one cheese store somewhere off the exit so you are like you i'm surrounded by the world's best cheese We're,
1: it, we really are and the best dairy and the best cheese yes i didn't even know what cheese was till i moved here and i was like what have i been eating then oh my All goodness
2: this? i'm i'm 20 pounds heavier thanks to this thing here they have called fried cheese curds that's a whole new
1: cheese one. curds everywhere i love them <laughs> cheese curds everybody yep. nobody you you a know, and these big uh pork fritter sandwiches they're this big oh i have a little tiny bun on them that's this big right yep. in the middle Yep, pork tenderloin this big so that yeah. was another
2: one. Up up where you live, there's a Gunder, Gunder Burger restaurant that had a, yes. the world's biggest pork fritter. And then St. Yes. Olaf Tap, just up the road, has the world's biggest pork fritter. So pork you got fritter. the world's biggest pork fritter all around you.
1: <laughs> Bent's over here in Westgate, world's biggest pork fritter sandwich. It's all over. I mean, I'm surrounded. So, and, <laughs> and I am. so, But it's good. It's good. Cheese curds and pork fritters, and that's fine. Mm, I'm yeah, from the okay. South, so I still... <laughs> Well, we're happy, though. Surrounded by cornfields and pork fritters, I mean, who wouldn't be, you know? Oh, yeah. Yep. But, so. And there was something well, magical to
2: Iowa. We grew our first garden in Iowa. I was never a big gardener, but I remember trying to grow stuff out in the West Coast and kind of the acidic soil and stuff, you know, and it kind of grows. But you put, like, a seed on the side of the driveway in Iowa, and the next day it's ready to pick. Like, it's gonna grow. it just grows. Yeah. Uh,
1: a a friend of mine grew, planted 20 tomato plants. And she's had, I don't know, 4,000 tomatoes. <laughs> she said, I can't, everybody has so many tomatoes I can't give away. So the running joke in Iowa is, it's up here in Northeastern Iowa in the country, don't leave your car unlocked. It's not at all that anybody's gonna steal it, but you will come back to that car and you will have zucchini and tomatoes in your front seat, whether you want it or not, right? It's
2: all the all the workplaces up there, you know. There's always like this central repository for everybody's fruit, but it's too much of it. Like, all right, guys, right. you gotta trim down.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I have an apple tree in my backyard. It's got, I don't know, a million apples on it. Everybody's like, Can I come get some apples, please. Please come get some apples. Oh yeah. yeah. Take all you want. It's it's everywhere and it's uh you know like the rhubarb and the asparagus grows wild just in the ditches up here. It's everywhere and there's fruit trees everywhere and there's corn and vegetables everywhere. It's really crazy. You're right. It's 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 so, magical.
2: So one of the things we do here, we sponsor a baseball player in the summer. Um they actually have a team down in Waterloo, the Bucks, but it's a Northwoods league. We sponsor a player every summer. And we spend most of our summer just introducing these players because they're from the East Coast or from far away. And they've just never eaten food like we have. So we spend like half of our summer just introducing them to all the local food. Like, hey, rhubarb, Chris, what's a rhubarb? Oh, you're about to find oh, out. Rhubarb, cause... oh, you're You <laughs> <laughs> should there's have seen me try
1: to give away rhubarb back in the spring, cheese. <laughs> <Jeez. laughs> yeah.
2: We can't even get the deer to come eat up all pro- our produce now, so. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. Does your daughter, so she said she wants to be a singer. Does she have anything out? So
2: if you look, um, there's two more songs that we have, two more that are out right now. One is Legacy, which is a spoken word kind of poetry song Mm -hmm. that talks about the the dark times Um, and just giving yourself up. Just I quit God. Save it, please save me, because I got nothing. <laughs> that was that song. Right. Second one was Time. You know, she ends up singing on the choruses for just about everything, and in those songs, she really sings, and okay. it's beautiful. And every okay. every time I've ever had her sit in the studio, it's just it blows you away how pretty uh, she sings. But if you look at that Dover Road song, you go to that last chorus, um, I won't spoil it for you, but just take your time, and, and yeah. if that doesn't get I you would. in the feels, 50 cents, 75 right. cents, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, you'd be running a tab probably not because I'm sure it, would. it doesn't take much to get me in the fields people people say oh well you know I got you crying I'm there's not I don't think there's been a single podcast so far I haven't cried on but that's okay crying laughing you know you got to get all those things out so and uh you know I, I want my goal for this podcast just between me and you is I, I was thinking and this hit me today the enormity of it because I had some things happen and some things in the work but i'm from appalachia and all those appalachian artists tyler childers and now oliver anthony and nolan taylor and sunday best and chris stapleton who's not an indie artist anymore but he started there and it's huge and if you're not from there you don't see that but i'm from there my facebook is full of these indie Mm -hmm. artists and they support each other they all know each other none they're all just singing secular music which i'm not necessarily against i listen to tyler childers Mm -hmm and so but they all love each other and they love me you know i'm in there but i thought i would think how cool would this be if we had something like this for christians how cool would it be if we had christian indie artists because the christian seems like the christian sector has been left completely out of that indie thing that's happening in music christians are still struggling trying to get nashville to notice them or record companies to notice them so i I would always think, I never thought I would do it. How cool would it be if all these Christian indie people, not just singers, but book, but authors, writers, painters, songwriters, just indie people come together. You know,
2: there was a prideful pull in me to not identify my music as Christian. And as soon, as soon as I felt that prideful pull, I went on to Spotify and I just threw it out there and I made myself own it. And uh, you can not, you know. You have that option. You have that option See? to try to go say, Oh gosh, you know, I'm, but I'm not going to run from my Lord. You know, See, I owe everything that I have to him. And uh, if my music is in any way, shape or form held back by that fact, then that's a, that's a mark on honor, you know?
1: Well, amen. And I'm glad, cause you know what? I kind of had the same thing cause I sing and play guitar and write songs. And I thought, yeah, I don't know if I want to be associated with Christian music. Okay, I just, I would rather, and this is a true statement. I want to change this and I feel like you do and six hours of watch We need to change the perception. At this point, I would rather sing in a bar than a church. The reason is bar people are kinder. They're more encouraging. It's easier to get in. You can call a bar and say, hey, what you got planned for next Friday? Can I come play? And they'll say, yeah, come on down. i give you $200. You could call a church and say, hey, can I come play? And they'll say, well- Where did you go to Bible college? Well, what churches have you played at before? Well, I don't know if we can pay you. I mean, it's so, it's a different world. It's two different things.
2: You hit a chord with me there. And that is, I think a big piece of my salvation was unintentional. Because in the punk rock world and in like the metal world, there is a country artist who for some reason has been popular in that world forever. And that's Johnny Cash. And yeah. when i first met johnny cash i listened to songs about killing people
1: and singing with a deep voice and doing all this sinful ki- cool ki- punk- like killed you know, a man in reno just to watch yeah. him die <laughs> and that was johnny <laughs> right. cash and i you know i'm all
2: tattooed up and stuff i'm like this guy's like me even though his music's a little funky i listen to some of his music and you can't listen to johnny cash for a song or two and all of a sudden he's singing very deeply about spiritual longing and to me Like, and I've always seen it this way. A character like him is very prophetic. He goes out into the world and he experiences the world and he talks about the real world. And he can talk to somebody from a very humble stature. Um, God rest his soul, but he can talk to somebody from that humble level at their level. And Johnny Cash's music reached out to me. And if Johnny Cash was only playing in churches, and if Johnny Cash was only singing hymns, and not about the real broken world that we're being saved from, maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't find my savior. So right. if I, if I can do people. the same thing. Yeah. And if I can do yeah. the same thing. And the Chosen series recently has had me reflect on that more and more, catching myself even being kind of elitist, realizing, right. dude, we're, we're, we're here for people like me. You know, and especially- the,
1: the, the church people only associating with other church people. I feel like God is just done with that
2: yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, it isn't I mean,
1: working you know. jesus said it's the sick that need a doctor i came here for the sick people and i was one of the sick people look you know and i and you were we were one of the sick people and so who are we to keep this medicine we need to take this to the other sick people but you know johnny cash sings a song i listened to it at easter called were you there when they crucified my lord if you can oh listen goodness. to that and not get in the feels, i'll give you a dollar <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: I, uh, I love that song. And that's, it's one of those songs that I'll put on if I'm feeling forlorn or especially if I'm feeling, uh, I don't know, if I'm feeling like, oh, woe is me, put song like that on and just relax with it, drive with it. and relax. You, you,
1: you use the word forlorn. I'm going to, I'm writing that down. I owe you a quarter. That's a big word. Oh,
2: I, I apologize. Yeah, that's... No, it's
1: okay. <laughs> I love it I love it that's a great word you don't hear it much it's one of the forgotten we need to bring back those forgotten words
2: Before I put we them in songs perfect. I actually got some critique on I got some critique on semi-simple because like well that's not even a word
1: well well good it for is. you <laughs> <laughs> nobody knows but you know what else is not a word and I'll tell the story and let you play really quick is uh and I use this Story, I've used this story to talk about pride and how nobody wants to feel dumb and ask questions. You know, the, the Joker, some call me the gangster of love. Some people call me Maurice because I speak of the pompousness of love. I didn't know what pompousness of love meant, but I was. I didn't want people to think I was dumb. So I didn't ask. And you didn't ask. And nobody asked. We all just sang it. And then come to find out years later, if you Google it, look, that's not a word. He made it up and stuck it in there. It's not an actual word. Really? Like, yes, Google, it's a great story. That's not a word, but nobody knew. We're all too afraid to ask because we didn't <laughs> want to feel dumb. We're at the bar having drinks with our friends, Steve Miller comes on the Joker, you start singing and you just like sing with it and you hope you're saying the word right because you don't really know what it, what word that is. It's because it's not a word. So, it's fine if you put words in that aren't words. Dr. Seuss did it. He just right made enough. stuff up. <laughs>
2: And I'll tell you right now that uh, I had no idea of what you just said. I've always ascribed like a certain verb to it. Like I speak of the gloriousness of love, or I don't
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Pompous. I mean, it sounds, you know, it's pompous. So you think, well, it's a little arrogant. It's flaunty. It's pompous of love. Perfect. He made that word up. And I thought, that's the best story ever. And nobody knew it because we're all too scared to say, what the heck's a pompous. <laughs>
2: Well, oh, good, and I hope they'll okay. say it about semi-simple then. They'll just expect that it means something, that it doesn't.
1: Expect that it, I, well, I did. I thought, okay, I don't really know what this word is, but he says it with such conviction. <laughs> it means something. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you the screen again, and you can uh, do All us right, it well,
2: um, little preface on this one then. So this is, since we're talking about songs to the lowly, this is a song about the bottle and, uh, and helping push it away. Uh, and intervention, but it's called Aces Low, and it, you know, let the song speak for itself, but I like to think that it's kind of a bluesy thing that talks to those people that got aces in their hand and don't even realize it, and uh, so when you're looking at aces and you think you have a hand of aces low and you want to fold, um, that's a problem, you know, it's a problem with perspective, and it's often the enemy, so here we go, little aces low.
0: Believing myself that I could pass any test, no, these tears. Are-
2: One minus the little spook I got from a the cat
1: there. <laughs> that was perfect. That's perfect. All right. And I'm, I'm having a bite of a sandwich.
2: I tell you what, go that'll right. be me. Here as we soon go. As this, yep. As soon as this podcast is over, I'm eating food. That's happening. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> what are you eating? What's your favorite? What's you eating?
2: Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm a Pacific Northwesterner by heart. So, uh, I am a salmon fan. You can't, oh. I love salmon. Um, Now that I'm a Midwesterner, I do have a hankering for cheese curds, and it's like problematic (laughs) for staying young and pretty, so.
1: (laughs) Right. Okay. Well, you know what, Mike, Mohawk Mike, thank you so much for coming on. I have had such a great time visiting with you and getting to know you a little bit. And uh, this is just the beginning. We'll have you back on later and see what's going on in your life.
2: And I'm glad to call you the first podcast we've reached out to. We'll see where the Lord takes us. But Isabella, thanks for what you're doing. Um, oh, keep God. an eye on all the people that you're highlighting are reaching out to the right people. Those are the people that need to hear the message. So thank right. you. Yeah,
1: and no you know, problem. Yeah, thank God. Give all the glory to God because absolutely. I just, there have been a couple people I reached out to that hmm, kind of had a little bit of an attitude because it's a newer podcast. And I, it kind of hurt me a little, hurt my feelings. and And God said... I felt the God say, you know what, let him go. I am going to trust that God will bring on who he wants to bring on and let go who he needs to be let go. So this is at, not in my, this out of my control. Just,
2: well, yep. Let me know when it publishes and I will push it to all of the mediums that I, that I, that I yeah. flip around into. I really appreciate what you're doing. I can't wait to start yeah. to start really taking it in. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, me too. And reach out to some of the other people. They would be glad to hear from you.
2: Yeah, we'll do. They're, thank you. As well.
1: They have been good. They've been good folks on here. I've just had the time of my life. So, okay, thank you. Yep, tell your family. You t- tell your family I said thank you for letting me bar you for an hour. Hey, <laughs> <do>. thanks. <laughs> Okay, yeah. thanks.